All right, so uh, Ephesians 4, we're going to wrap up Ephesians 4. Last week we looked at verses 17 through 24, and this week we're going to go through uh, chapter 5, verse 2, beginning with uh, verse 25 of chapter 4. So we've been watching this progression, and again, you know me, I like to just get a running start to where we're going. We've had the review uh, in the first part of the the book, especially the first two chapters, where Paul looked at all the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. Um, verse, um, I'm sorry, chapter 3 uh, talked about really celebrating the mystery of the gospel, this concept that all of history has been moving us toward this day where both Jews and Gentiles could directly relate to God through Christ. That's part of what I think Paul meant by the mystery of the gospel. And then here we've been in chapter 4, uh, where he is just starting to work out uh, what does that really mean. And we've talked about that we were gifted uh, because we are designed to live in community with each other and that God gave uh, gifts uh, to us uh, based on our own individuality so that we could work together as a community, work better together as a body. And then last week, we, he, we narrowed that focus a little bit more where we're looking at some of the individual applications of being a Christian and this process of conversion. And we talked about that because we have been reborn, we get to act differently. But the corollary to that, uh, those comments of Paul about, you know, no, take off the old self, put on the new self, if it was automatic, he wouldn't have had to tell us, right? Um, so the very fact that he is telling us, you know, you need to, you need to take off those old habits, you need to take off the, that old way of thinking, let's put on some new habits we talked about, and that this whole concept of the Holy Spirit renewing our mind, that that's an ongoing process and that will continue. And today he's going to get even more practical um, I'm calling this, uh, I kind of write myself little titles. I don't usually tell you what the titles are, but I'm calling this the New Commandments. So we know about the Ten Commandments, right, the, the, big, the big Ten uh, Commandments. And here you could kind of think of as the New Commandments, uh, Paul's Commandments. I, I didn't even really count them because part of it depends whether you split some out or lump them together. But uh, I, I call these the new commandments because it really gets to uh, some of the core issues of living life as a Christian. And just like the original Ten Commandments, uh, behind each commandment you see a heart issue that was being developed. You know, uh, you shall have no other gods before me. That's because our heart is prone to idolatry. Uh, you know, don't covet your neighbor's donkey because we are just at our heart we tend to be discontented um, don't lie you know we have a problem with honesty sometimes so there's some heart issues and I think you'll see as we go through this that there are some heart issues behind these commandments as well and I think it'll it'll kind of help you organize this now as I said we're going from verse 25 down to chapter 5 verse 2 and I think uh, we've talked about this before, but just as a as a reminder, you know the the verses that we have 
weren't there in the original text, right? Um, it was just written, just, just written. No paragraphs, no punctuation even, just sentence structure to, to tell the translators how to put it together. We got chapters, as I was reading, I couldn't remember exactly when it was, but it sounds like we got chapters around the year 1200, okay? We got verses around the year 1500, all right? And I think they, they gave it a good, a good shot. Most of the time, uh, at the end of a chapter, it's kind of the completion of a topic or completion of a thought, but not exactly. And this is one of those places where the thought wasn't quite completed uh, by the end of what we would call chapter four. Uh, it really, the thought probably isn't completed until verse two of chapter five. So I just made myself a little, a little bracket there to kind of connect that whole passage uh, together and and you'll you'll see that and and although the chapter headings the verses and in most translations nowadays there are even little descriptions that will tell you okay this chapter is about whatever uh, in my Bible chapter four the big heading is unity in the body of Christ well that's helpful right um, the section here. Uh, that starts with verse 17 in my Bible says the new life. What does the new life look like? Those are helpful, but they're alongside scripture. They're not scripture themselves. So just a little uh, reminder there. Uh, we don't want to be too misled by the divisions, I guess is the point. Uh, one other organizational thing, and that is um, something I, I read in a commentary that I thought was helpful, and that is in, in several of these commandments, you'll see a negative thing, and you'll see a positive thing, and then you'll see a motivational thing. Like, don't do this. Instead, do this, and here's why. Okay? So just kind of think about that as we go through the verses. It doesn't apply to all of them, but it applies to many of them where you can say, okay, here's what I should stop doing, here's what I should start doing, and here's the reason why I should be doing that. So with that in mind, let's just march through these uh, because you'll see these are very practical, so much so I'm going, to expecting, I'm going to be expecting you to provide some of the commentary. As I was reading some of the my background information, it was pretty obvious. It kind of means what it says. You don't need a whole lot of commentary. It's just how the Holy Spirit's going to apply to us. So, so kind of let God speak to you. All right, verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So this is a good example where we can apply our little framework, right? So what is the negative thing, the thing that we're supposed to stop doing? Put away falsehood. And what is the thing we're supposed to start doing? Speak truth. And what's the reason that we're supposed to do that? We're all in this together. Exactly right, Pat. Um, put away falsehood. Speak the truth with your neighbor, for we are members one of another. We are living in community with, with each other. At least we should be. Um, I remember I had an English teacher, Mrs. Wilson was her name, and um, she was um, real the, the poet, gosh, I'm blanking on her name. Emily somebody. Maybe so. Yeah, I'm sure that must be it. 
Um, and there was this poem she liked to talk about where she felt like she could church by herself under a tree and communicate with God and that sort of thing. And she, she really loved that because I knew Miss Wilson, she really didn't go to church. And so she really loved that because she felt she didn't really need to go to church. And, you know, it's not all about church, but church is part of it. We are in community, and it, and it does us good uh, when we're together and, and part of community. So, uh, so that's that. Uh, a body has to work properly, and you need, you need the good feedback, right? So it, it occurred to me, and I, I hope you guys don't mind. You know, I live in the world of medicine, so it's just I can't help but use medical examples. But there are a couple diseases that I see every week where it has to do with the body doing falsehood and the body not speaking the truth, right? So one is this where the body is sending a false signal, and this is an area of certain chronic pain conditions. Some people may have just massive muscle pain. I mean, the pain is real, but like somebody may feel massive muscle pain, say from a condition like fibromyalgia, but like when they like biopsy the muscles and look at them like muscles are fine but something about that pain signal is not fine so the, my body is lying to me the flip side is sometimes my body should be telling me the truth and it doesn't I see this all the time in my diabetics who can't feel their toes and they may get a sore and their body should be telling them you got a sore in your toe you got a rock in your shoe but it doesn't you know and in the same way you know we need to we need to be truthful with each other, and we need to, to do that as a body. And um, I think there are a lot of applications for that, but uh, let's, let's move on. Verses uh, 26 and 27 seem to go together. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. <clears throat> so this thing that we should stop doing is don't sin while we're angry, right? Uh, it says be angry and don't sin. Now, uh, some people have said this is a commandment to be angry about the right things. And you could kind of take it that way. And there are probably some things that should bother us more than they do. But the point here, I think the emphasis isn't about that, although you can make some valid points about that. The point is, there's a risk with anger. And that risk is that it's going to go too far and it's going to lead you into sin. So we're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to, uh, to, to let, you know, it's okay to have this emotion. It's almost, I guess, a, a paraphrase. It's like Paul saying, all right, you know you're going to get angry, but don't let it get the best of you. Right. Jesus even got angry, didn't he, when they was uh, gambling in the He did. Righteous indignation, anger. He was... I mean, he flipped the table over, right? <laughs> yes. I won't, I won't use the vernacular. He was very upset, <laughs> and he let people know about it. And uh, this is what happens when Merritt comes to Sunday school. Um, so, <laughs> yes, he was very upset. It's an, it's an emotion, Right. And sometimes we're not that great at controlling our emotions. And Paul knows that, and he says, okay, don't let this emotion cause damage. And the other thing is, deal with it promptly, right? 
got this anger, you've got this emotion, especially if it's, you know, anger, we, we're not normally angry in a vacuum. We're usually angry at someone. There's a personal thing here. And he's saying, okay, this don't let the sun go down in your anger. Um, I don't know that that necessarily means, you know, when the sun sets at 7.08 or whatever it sets, that that's your deadline. But the general concept with anger promptly, I think, is definitely applicable there. And if you did want to take it literally, I don't think that would necessarily be a bad thing. Deal with anger promptly. And the motivation for that is don't give the devil an opening in your life. Nursing anger, if you know what I mean, kind of reflecting on that offense that was made toward you. Um, when we kind of feed that fire a little bit, not a good thing. That op- gives us an open ear to those things that the devil might tell us. Like, you know, he had no right to do that. Hair dare, you know, you gonna up with that? You know, I mean, these little things, you just you give the devil a foothold. And, um, you know, well, that was mean. You know, and their anger in some ways is this, uh, you know, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you sort of thing. And, and uh, Mary and I were watching this show the other night, this, this action-adventure comic book sort of thing. But um, there's this, there was this gal, and her like mom was in prison, and she's like, I'm not going to go see my mom in prison because that's the only way I can think of to hurt her. And when we're mad and when we're hurt, we just want to hurt somebody else. And, and Paul's really saying, don't do that. Don't, don't give the devil the foothold there. Not hurting them is mercy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, um, don't sometimes we need to be angry but, I mean, and not sin. I mean, just like people would talk about Christians and this and that. You see, a lot of times we don't stand up for Christianity like we need to. Yeah, um, and, and that, it makes me angry that you know, hey, they talk about my God and my, my Christian brothers and sisters. Right, and I and I think that's perfectly appropriate. Um, I think the context here, as in most of this chapter, is what we do within our own family, right? This whole this has been talking really the whole thing's been talking about the church, and um, and sometimes we're not even nice to our own family, and. Um, yeah, there's. I think absolutely. We we need to. I guess there's part of the conscience that the Holy Spirit gives us is this concept of justice, right? And so we should be the ones fighting for the downtrodden, fighting for the unborn, fighting for you know our faith, really. But within our own family, we shouldn't be doing a lot of fighting. All right, moving on. Uh, let's verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Uh, pretty basic. Don't be a thief. Do honest work. The motivation, you'll be able to help others, right? This is great transformation from a selfish thing. I'm going to take something that's not mine. Or an unselfish thing, I'm going to give away something that is mine. So who's our best example in the Bible of this? From 
from thief to philanthropist? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, awesome, right? At conversion, he's like, you know, I'm, I'm not just returning what I stole. I'm multiplying that. Um, perfect transformation uh, from thief to philanthropist. Uh, and, and I guess the message there is conversion should affect all of our lives, right? It's not just a heart issue. Sometimes it's a wallet issue. That's going to... Uh, be a, an issue for for some people more than others. You know, for Zacchaeus that was a big issue, and that was a reflection of what he did with his heart. Verse twenty nine: Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So, our formula: Don't talk trash. Do be an encouragement, because. This is, this is giving grace. This is giving grace. Um, if, motiv- if grace motivates good speech, healthy speech, encouraging street speech, what is our motivation for bad speech? Most of the time, anger. Back to anger again, right? And very often our, our, our negative speech, our bad speech, our destructive speech, that's, our, that's just kind of our way of, of fighting anger, right? I mean, whoever came up with the sticks and stones rhyme clearly had never really been hurt bad by words. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, wounds typically heal. Spoken words linger way longer. And the scars are way deeper and sometimes harder to heal. So um, just to give you a visual, this uh, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Apparently the word there, you'll love this, is for spoiled fish or rotten fruit. You know those sweet potatoes that come pre-wrapped you just put in the microwave? I think I've got one of those in the pantry that I'm thankful for that wrap. I was going to bring it. I think it's a little mushy. Um, as a little object lesson, but then I thought that probably wouldn't be good. Um, rotten fruit, spoiled fish. I mean, that's just not good, right? That speaks of death and decay and, um, and in, a, in, a, in a way, timing, right? The only difference between a spoiled fish and a fresh fish is timing. Um, you might have speech that might be true, but the timing is so off it's damaging, right? We call that slander, right? When you say something true in a dangerous way, in a hurtful way. Um, so just just keep that in mind. Um, this, this concept that, uh, let's see, what's the verse? That it may give grace to those who hear. Um, <coughs> You'll see the principle that he develops in these subsequent verses. The more we have our own sin in view, the more we realize what God has done for us and the grace that we've received, the more humble we are, the less likely we are to crawl down somebody else's throat because we have a healthy view of our own junk. Right? And we know... (laughs) You know, not that we 
maybe stop trying to help each other out, stop speaking truth, but um, it changes our tone, right? Instead of, you need to work on this, it's, you know, I work on this too, and I think we both need to work on it. It really changes your tone. And um, this, this giving grace, I think that's a, that's a big idea. Verse 30 takes a, a little bit different um, formula. It says, uh, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed the day of redemption. So this isn't so much a, uh, talking about how we deal with each other, but just how we connect with God. And I think the simple way to think about this, what popped in my mind was the concept of us being adopted, right? If you could picture maybe a family that's a God-loving family and then they adopt someone who wasn't really taught that way, right? And and now this kid who's a little rough around the edges kind of has to start behaving in a different way because the family's different. That's kind of what's happening, you know, to realize, hey, you're in God's family now. Not remember who you are, but remember whose you are. Time to start acting that way. The Holy Spirit is going to be the one that vouches for you before God. So, you know, don't 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 uh, grieve the Holy Spirit, um, who's going to be standing up for you. Um, remember whose family you're a part of. All right, moving on. Uh, verse thirty-one, and and this is a little bit uh, similar. Uh, to what we talked about before, let all bitterness and wrath and anger, <laughs> it's like three times, and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Here's a point. We need to do a deep cleaning on the inside. Spring cleaning time, right? We need to do a deep cleaning because all this bad stuff, this clamor and slander and bitterness and wrath and anger, that all comes from the inside coming out. This great verse, Matthew 12, uh, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when you hear stuff coming out, it's because there's junk on the inside, right? Um, it just it just out, um, which is you know kind of a kind of a scary thing to understand. But uh, and this is kind of what you know Jesus all the time he was talking about this right. All the Pharisees, right? Isn't that what their problem was? We talked about this in Mark. On the outside, they were doing it, right? They were keeping that law. They were they were upset with Jesus because he wasn't keeping the law as well as they were. But Jesus said, you know, guys, 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 it's not the outside that's the problem. It's the inside that's the problem, right? And... And that's the same for us. It's, it's our inside that's a problem. That's why we have an inside solution with the Holy Spirit. But it's, it's continual work, continual cleaning. You remember the little um, Bissell carpet cleaner? The little one? Um, we, we have one of those. And um, 
their little the little tagline for the commercial. Do you remember what the tagline was for the little commercial? Life's messy. Clean it up. <laughs> right? So our hearts are messy. We need to clean them up regularly. And that's what happens, you know, when all those remember all those spiritual disciplines we talked about last week? Uh, you know, the the assembling together of ourselves, the listening to preaching, the reading of our scripture, the memorizing scripture, meditating, all those things, that's how we that's how we do that deep cleaning. The motivation, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. I mean that's that that's that whole thing, right? That that Jesus again was talking about. You know, take the big log out of your own eye and then you might be able to help somebody else take the speck out of their eye. You know, the 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 more you are aware of your own sin, the more gracious you are with everybody else, um, the more appreciative you are of Christ, and therefore, you know, you want to share that grace with other people. It's just, it's just natural. And then finally, this last commandment, verse 1 of chapter 5, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Um, we know little kids watch us, right? They watch so much. They see so much. They, and there's something about humans, and there's a negative side of this, I'll tell you in a second, but what we focus on, we start to be like. What we focus on, we start to be like. And he's saying here, be imitators of God as beloved children. What does a child do with their parents? They start to mimic them. I mean, I've heard at least a few country songs about, you know, you know, the kid watching their dad and that sort of thing. Let's watch God. Let's let's imitate God. And, and what do we know of God? Jesus, right? It's all about Jesus, as every four-year-old knows. The answer is always Jesus. Um, be imitators of God as beloved children. So we've got to be watching. We've got to be imitating. We've got to be you know, trying to act. You remember we said last week it's kind of we, we, we act until it becomes natural. That's a fancy way of fake it till you make it, right? We're, we're trying to, to act like God until God perfects us. And that's, that's my paraphrase on this. Jesus lived sacrificially. We need to live sacrificially. Now, this, this downside, this is extra, of what we focus on, we become like. Have you ever had somebody who maybe didn't have a great childhood, childhood who says, I ain't never going to be like my daddy. And then what happens? Become just like them. Right? Um, so there, there's a principle there. We, we do become like the people that we focus on. And so that's why it's important for us to pay attention to who we're hanging out with, who we're watching, not, not in a uh, condescending way or anything, but just that we need to look after our own encouragement, our own way of, of monitoring things. Um, one little um, kind of current application here, and this will... That, that we're really are fast there. I've got uh, not quite quarter till. If we go back to verse 25, having put away all falsehood, let each one of you speak truth. 
Probably the best paraphrase of that is put away the lie. Right? Put away the lie. It Lie is singular there. So I got to thinking, what is the lie that we tell? I'm not sure. It's probably different for different people. But there may be lies we tell about ourselves that we might believe. There may be lies that other people have told about us that we believe. Um, I think this is a basis of a lot of emotional problems that people have. Um, because, you know, we, we believe some lies um, in this speaking truth. Now, here's a modern application. They've done some studies. I'll read it. Studies show that one in three respondents felt more dissatisfied with their lives after spending time on Facebook. Why do you think that is? I don't know how many people are on Facebook, but you know what it is. How close is Facebook to reality? Not very close, right? Why is that? This is something that we, there's probably a better name for it, but selection bias. People curate what they're going to post. They sort through what they're going to post. Everybody posts the best parts of their lives, right? They post all the smiles at the birthday parties, and they smoke the, the best memories and the best of what's going on. So what do we do? We look at it, and we assume, if we thought about it for even half a second, we'd know, but it's so powerful. We assume, gosh, they're doing great. Look at their family. Looks like they got a new boat. Look at that vacation. Look at all those pictures. They're really pretty. Their whole family's pretty, right? And we assume the best of them but we, we know our own junk, and sometimes we even see the worst in ourselves. Very distorted. So we need to be careful about that. Now, I'm not saying you need to air all your dirty laundry on Facebook, but when it's appropriate, I think we do need to be transparent. right? And even here, I'm not against praying for somebody who's sick and got a bad gallbladder. But... We don't really talk about, you know, kind of tight this past month. I've been a little depressed lately. It's been dark for a while at my house. You know, we don't talk about those things. So even here we get distorted. And this is supposed to be family. Again, this is actually kind of a big group, and I'm not saying you would have to do that because there's a privacy side of this as well, right? But with the people that matter, be transparent. One of the best ways of having somebody open up to you is when you open up to them, all right? Um, even from up here, you know, if I tell you about my dirty socks and my rotten potatoes, I mean, that's not 
much transparency, but I mean, you know, we've got our own junk at our house too, you know, and, and whatever you see, everybody's got way more than that. This is one of the big privileges I have of doing what I do. I may have shared this before, but I can't tell you how many times I've walked into that exam room, said, hi, it's to see you, and the tears start. I mean, just like that. And I realized it's because they've realized in that particular room it's pretty safe and you don't have to fake it. Right? And it takes a lot of emotional energy to keep up appearances. I get that. That's probably a... But everybody, I get to see everybody is struggling. Everybody is struggling. So just remember that. When, when everybody puts their base, best face forward on Facebook, um, it may not be a lie, but it's not the whole truth, right? And so we need to be gracious um, about that. Uh, I'm not saying we need to be nosy, right? But um, we certainly need to, to realize that, that um, it's not the whole reality. And, and as we're working with each other, we need to, to, to treat each other like, like, like family. All right. We better quit pretty quick. Any, any final comments? I'll give you guys the last word. I need to buy a Bissell. You need what? Need buy a Bissell. Buy a Bissell. Life's messy, clean it up. I, I love that. Who else? All right. Father, we thank you for the hope that we have. This is, this is Palm Sunday. This is a hopeful day where the people said, we may get a Savior. We may get a Messiah. We thank you that we have hope because we have a Savior. We have a Messiah. Help us more and more to be renewed in that hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, everybody.